0: Make it right, the manufacturing podcast.
1: As COVID 19 makes its tour around the world, some countries are slowly getting back to business. In February, China began ramping up its manufacturing, but in semi lockdown, with focus on infection prevention because of the possibility of a second wave of COVID 19 and the subsequent global recession those things are very real. Those are very real threats. With the financial impact associated with the business shutdown and now the heavy cost of preventing a relapse, the manufacturing industry has a lot to contend with. Welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman, and believe it or not, this is show 100. And I'm marking this milestone with my colleague Kevin Snook, whose book Make It Right Five steps to align your manufacturing business from the front line to the bottom line. Launched this podcast two years ago. Kevin, good to speak with you again.
0: Lovely to talk with you, Janet.
1: I can't believe that this is podcast 100, and this has actually been happening for two years. But you know, congratulations to you.
0: No, it's been a fantastic ride, hasn't it? And uh, you're the one who's led all. So you know, all the congratulations really go back to you. But uh, this was something you know we both dreamt up um, a couple of years ago, and uh, the idea was to get as much good information out to manufacturers uh, as we possibly could. And um, back in those, you know, back in two years ago, there was very few shows or very few uh, education outlets that were really trying to help manufacturers learn from each other. And uh, so that was really the goal when we set this up, and. I think it's been fantastic i've you know uh, we started off with probably the first twelve or so of me talking um, and then you know a lot more since then have been uh, manufacturers from outside and um, I've been learning all the way through and you know if you think about back over those two years what we've been covering we've we've gone from safety uh, the manufacturing floor, how to do tours on on manufacturing. Um, all the way through to sort of sales and marketing for for B two B for manufacturers and um, just wonderful content and it's been uh, it's been a really nice ride.
1: Yeah, I've learned so much. It's it's just astounding. So um, yeah, I've enjoyed the process and I've met some really great people online. And so uh, let the party continue.
0: So yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of good people in manufacturing, and I think uh, sometimes manufacturers tend to focus internally a lot. Um, You know, into their own business, into their own factories and uh, and not always that graded uh, promoting themselves or sharing information between different groups. But I've got to say the people we've reached out to and have been kind enough to share information on the podcast have just been fantastic and um, some really, really good content.
1: Yeah, they're really giving people. So it's been, it's been really fun. Now, Kevin, you're a leadership advisor, you're a manufacturing consultant, you're based in Thailand, you do a lot of your work with manufacturers in China. And in this time of COVID-19, what is the situation like right now there?
0: Yeah, well, all over Asia, it's, uh, it's still a very fluid situation, uh, very difficult for a lot of people. Um, in China, specifically, you know, obviously, it hit first there. And uh, and factories started closing down and um, the first the first step for them was just after the Chinese New year. Um, I was actually in China, I think uh, last time I was there was towards the middle to end of January, and it was only just shortly after that that China sort of closed its borders um, and uh, and people coming back from the Chinese New year were uh, were locking up shop for an extra couple of weeks to make sure that all the staff there could be quarantined before they were allowed back into the factories. And, um, you know, once they did get back in, uh, which was one or two weeks after the end of the Chinese New Year, then things ramped up fairly quickly. But every every company that I was working with there uh, had put very stringent controls in place to, to make sure that people were being uh, quarantined if they had been traveling up country, uh, making sure that anybody going back into the factories was you know, really safe and working closely with their colleagues. And one of the good things around a lot of manufacturing in China is they already have clean room facilities. And so um, it's very well controlled, people going in and out of the production areas, people in many industries, you know, everything from electronics to cosmetics, already wear um, full masks and, and outfits and things anyway during their normal daily work. Um, so I think that's really helped them get get over this uh, initial stages of, uh, of the coronavirus and then move through into a normal operating procedures again.
1: So at this point in time, a lot of them are ramping up again, but not back to full production, if that's correct in my
0: understanding. Well, actually, many are back to full production. Um, the issue is that the rest of the world is closing down. and So... Um, you know, even though a lot of the factories are ready to be able to, to produce as they were before, uh, people around the world are concerned. You know, for their income and, and and so not buying as much as they were during you know before the the, the COVID nineteen. And so, um, although the factories, a lot of the factories are ready to go on full output, there just isn't the amount of orders that there was before.
1: Ah, I see. Okay, so if we look at this whole situation, um, you dedicated your book to frontline workers around the world, and when we look at this situation, what are the kind of difficulties those frontline workers are facing right now?
0: Yeah, well, typically the frontline workers are the ones that have lower income, um, and uh, and so it's hitting them harder than anybody else. You know, I think it's not only in the US and the UK where a lot of people are um, are living. On very low levels of, uh, of credit or even in debit, um, you know, there's there's people just don't have that much disposable income, and uh, and so they're the people that are really getting hit very hard. And as uh, as factories and not, this is not only in the manufacturing sector, of course, it's in the service sectors, in uh, you know, hotels and uh, hospitality industry, um, but frontline workers around the world, I think, are getting hit extremely hard. and Places like Thailand, where I'm living at the moment, the government is trying to to help with handouts and um, and uh, protecting people, reducing the amount of tax they have to pay at the end of the tax year, etc. But uh, you know, overall, I've I've been really pleased at the way people have risen to the challenge and have kind of understood that everybody is in the same boat. Um, I think there's, there's some sort of solidarity behind that. And this is not just one country or one particular industry, but it really is, is going across everybody. Um, but, yeah, it's the frontline workers that I, I feel most for because they, they're already at risk. They're already in many cases, especially in Asia, living on the sort of on the poverty line. Um, and so any in, uh, disruption to their income is going to be a huge impact.
1: Mm -hmm. so when you you think about that what are some of those key challenges that business owners are facing right now as they're trying to manage through this and bring people back to work the stress must be amazing because they're trying to keep the company afloat trying to support all their workers but maybe the business just isn't there yet
0: yeah well you and i are both business owners as well and you know our own small businesses and as i go around uh, the larger businesses that level of stress just multiplies you know um uh, I, I'm working with companies that have got thousands of employees and uh, and I know for a fact that the chairman or the CEO is going to bed every night worrying about how those thousands of employees are going to keep their job and keep their income and be able to pay their kids' school fees for the next year. So on, on a lot of cases, people see the business owners or the higher levels of management and they think, oh, you, you're okay, you've got uh, an income coming in and you, you're you've got some savings and you're going to be fairly well protected and from a from a financial point of view in some cases that's true but from an emotional point of view when you are the one who is responsible for keeping the careers and and keeping the income of thousands of people that's a different type of stress and um, so what I'm seeing from a lot of business owners is is a huge burden that they're carrying on their shoulders and uh, um, yes it's different they can still eat and they can still you know, have they pay their kids school fees and things, um, but it's a different type of stress.
1: So for those businesses that are getting back up and running, what do they need to be doing now to manage through the coming weeks and months?
0: Well, I think for manufacturing businesses specifically, um, they're going to be refilling the pipeline, the order line for their clients. And the clients are going to want to order from the people that have stayed in contact with them during this period and given them the confidence about what they're doing to be able to maintain a good, reliable supply chain. And so one of the things that I would say during the crisis is that um, as a manufacturer, you need to be keeping very frequent um, contact with your with your clients. Um, now, if you're a uh, service to the manufacturing like if you're a consultant to the manufacturers what you want to be doing is looking at how can I how can I change my model because I can't show up at the factory anymore and do my work how can I change my model so that more of my work is done online and that I can still do remote service in the way that I would have been doing you know had I had it been work as usual. Um, So a lot more companies are are using Zoom and Skype and other sort of uh, media to be able to keep in regular contact. And during this sort of time, it really is that level of trust and confidence that you want to be building, you know, both ways. And so, you know, I've got clients in Korea and China, uh, London, uh, Malaysia. So, you know, pretty much I, I, I am not allowed to travel out of Thailand to any of those at the moment. So what we've been doing is having zoom calls and having virtual meetings and trying to keep as much of a regular contact point as we would have done um, during the normal times, but doing it via you know via virtual means
1: mm-hmm. so ultimately you're still continuing to deliver value to your clients it's just that you're not face to face and that's something I think that we can we can learn from right now because I'm pretty sure even though this is an unprecedented time, this is not gonna be the first time and last time that this happens, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, this, this is gonna be good practice for for things, that, the different types of interruptions for the supply chains in the future. Um, one of the things that I would say is, as a service business, um, like my business is to the manufacturers, you really need to change what you're talking about. Um, at the moment, people, are less likely to need training. Uh, they are need specific help on specific issues. Um, you know, there was, uh, I was talking to a, another colleague of mine and he talked about this idea around you know when somebody's drowning, they don't need swimming lessons. Um, and I, I think that's very true. What you need when you're drowning is you need a rope. You need someone to throw you a rope, pull you out of the water and put a towel around you. you know, and that's very different than during you know the work as usual. And so I think you need to be very sensitive as a service business to say, as I'm working with my clients, what specifically do they need right now? What's going to be help for them? Not over the next three years, but right now. What's going to get them back up and running and back onto a level playing field?
1: Are you finding that your your clients are reaching out to you with um, with questions that they've never had before for you?
0: Um, slightly but what I would say is more is that uh, uh, the clients have kind of gone quiet and Mm. one of the reasons they've gone quiet is that they're so busy they're so focused on just trying to figure this out Um, and there's a risk to that as well from the client's point of view because if they if they don't reach out for help then you try you go back to old patterns of of what worked for you in the past Um, what I'm doing is I'm doing the reaching out to them and saying hey look there's different things that we can be doing here. You know, we don't have to continue with the work that we were doing before COVID hit. Let's put that part on hold for now. Let's look at how we can really guide you through this, not in not by slipping back to old patterns, but by using the, the best practices from around the world, which I'm you know able to keep in touch with. And then let's learn from them as rapidly as possible to get you over this particular hump. And so that's what I mean by it being a different type of service. It really is like a, it, it is throwing that, um, that rope to them and helping them pull out. Now, quite often, a drowning person is not going to shout for a rope. You know, they're going to be flailing around in the water just trying to do the best they can. And that's where we need to be on the banks and we need to be looking for them and then you know proactively throwing the rope.
1: You mentioned in your, your book that leaders should be reaching out to their staff on a regular basis via video and whatnot to inform them about what's going on with the company, etc. Right now, in this time of COVID-19, are business owners reaching out to their staff with messaging via video saying, here's the situation, this is what's happening, this is where we're at? Are they doing that?
0: Um, I'm seeing a little bit more of it. I think uh, the situation is so dire that it's forcing uh, CEOs and business owners to have that communication with the front line. Now, I don't think they're doing it necessarily as effectively as they could be doing. Um, You know, in the book and and with my clients I speak, I I talk specifically about it's so easy to record a video these days. You know, all you need to do is put your phone up in front of your face and do two minutes of, you know, just want to talk to line three, you, 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 guys, you came in. Uh, I saw you working 24 hours yesterday. Thank you for your support. You're doing a fantastic job, and you know, all stay safe, and I wish the best to all your families. You know, it, it takes 30 seconds to do that, but it means so much to the people that are doing it. You know, we saw in the UK and in some of the other countries, people standing on the streets applauding the healthcare workers. Now, there, I, I know from some people. Uh, The skeptics were saying, you know, what good is that going to do? You know, this is, um, you know, clapping in the street is not actually going to help the situation. But my sister and my sister's husband work in the healthcare uh, industry. They're both doctors. And they really appreciate that kind of show of support. And so during this time, over communicating, letting people know how much you value them, letting them know that you're aware of the stress that they are suffering and that you're there for them. I think that's incredibly important. And it's always important during times of crisis to to increase the amount of communication. So whatever I was saying during the normal times, I want CEOs and owners to be sharing more information, especially during a crisis. I want them to be right on top of their game. Mm -hmm.
1: You developed the Align process to improve manufacturing for the people in the industry. So where do you see the Align process right now having the biggest impact?
0: Well, this is, it's all the way through it. Um, really, that idea of aiming from the heart, having a very clear direction for the business. Uh, a, in the aligned process is aim from the heart. And that means that the, the owners of the business need to have a super clear direction about where they're going and why they're going there. And I think that's a rallying cry for people at the moment because um, you know there's going to be some businesses that go under there's going to be other businesses that are concerned about going under. Um, if you can have a very clear vision and people in the company know why we're we're headed in that direction, then it's a good rallying cry and people can, can rally around that. Um, but this, the, the L in the align process is lead with the front line. You know, this is a lot of what we've been talking about. The frontline people are the ones who do the work every minute of the day. We need to ensure that we're there to help and support them over these types of obstacles. And what's going to happen is that the companies that um, do extremely well standing by their frontline employees are the ones who are going to get the loyalty ongoing. And uh, that's, again, that's not only in manufacturing. I've, I've seen in the hospitality industry the the hotels that are finding ways to adapt. You know, we have one hotel in in Bangkok, Thailand that uh, that has opened up their lobby and has done an open restaurant in the or an open cafe in their lobby to do takeaway food for people, and the staff are being able to keep their jobs because they're they, they've managed to pivot and they're now you know packing and preparing food for people. Who, uh, who don't have their own cooking facilities within their own houses. And so pivoting that way, allowing the staff to, to keep a sense of meaning and purpose, um, keeping them employed and keeping them paid, that loyalty is going to pay off over, you know, over many years. And so that, the, the second bar, the L lead with the frontline, I think is, is also very critical.
1: So what are some key takeaways or thoughts on how people can manage through the next few months, Kevin, that you've seen? Like I know um, you seem to think that your state is the way it's going to be until probably the end of June, early July, you're in Thailand. We're hearing the same sort of thing over here, maybe even farther into, into the year. So key takeaways or thoughts on how people can manage through these next few months.
0: Well, a lot of people are talking about a new normal, And I never want anybody to feel normal anyway. (laughs) I want (laughs) companies to be extraordinary. Um, So I don't want people to slip back into old practices. I don't want them to try to be normal again. I always think that in terms of crisis, rather than bouncing back, I want people to bounce forward. And so you use the momentum from the difficult times to be able to give you that step forward on the path. And um, so what I'm looking for for people is what what can we really learn? What can we learn about the organisation? What can we learn about the people? What can we learn about our communication systems, our support structures, etc. That give us, you know, a, a step up on the ladder when this all um, all sort of blows over. Um, we don't know whether it's going to be two months or six months or, or whatever. Um, but learning is critical, and uh, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fear at the moment there's a lot of negative media um, the more we can block that out from ourselves and look at okay the situation is as it is this is a great place to start what do we learn how do we get the most from that and put in new practices not back to normal but new practices that are really going to help elevate us over you know over the next three to six months that to me is the critical factor and I know that it's, a, you know, this is not uh, in any way demeaning the, the, the challenge of the situation that we're in, but when you can pull people together and use those challenging times really um, to come up with creative solutions that take you forward, that's what entrepreneurialism is all about. And, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. They're the smartest people on the planet, and they're the only people that ever have taken really difficult situations and propelled them forward. Um, so I'm looking for the entrepreneurial, creative spirit from from our business leaders um, to say, "Look, we're going to do things differently, and this is how they're going to be better in the future."
1: Mm-hmm. Fear can really stagnate people, and they can really turn inwards. And the one thing that I've noticed about this time is when you can't be out and about doing all the things that you know in the past may have been distractions. We all have a lot of time to mm. ourselves right now where a lot of really good creative thinking could be happening and you could reimagine your life and your your prospects so it's it's a very interesting time if you can block that fear and and get to really thinking about what else is a possibility right
0: yeah i i think so and and for me it's been um you know an ongoing process over many years now where I've spent a lot of time in meditation and, and time on my own. And that's what gives me creative thinking. I love that time. And so uh, self-isolation to me is not, is not a huge issue. Um, now, when, when people who have normally been very busy and very distracted and um, then suddenly get thrown into self-isolation, that thinking time can turn negative very quickly Mm -hmm. Um, there can be the doubts and fears come in Uh, what I'd like to encourage people to do is is take a breath (laughs) Uh, in many many cases this is not as bad as you think it might be and the media is creating a huge amount of fear no good decisions are ever made out of a fear state we have to be able to take a breath look at some reality you know One of the things that I like to do is look at the trees outside. You know, those trees, you know, if you you look at an old tree, it's been standing there for a hundred years. It's seen everything come and go and it just continues to grow. It just, it lets it go by. It takes the winds, it takes the rains, it takes the the sunny seasons and the snow, and it just continues to grow. And um, if we can look at this current situation like that and say, yep, this is the situation right now. I understand it for the reality that it is and I also know that it'll pass then we can allow ourselves to calm down a little bit. It's in that calm and more loving state that we actually make much better decisions and so I know that it can be uh, it can be a challenge for people that have been very distracted and very busy um, but uh, the, the way to do that is to kind of breathe into it and then allow yourself to to really yeah, really chill out a little bit and then see what comes up as a positive step forward.
1: Mm-hmm. I love the tree image. That is, that is a great way to end this conversation. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me and uh, good luck over there in Thailand.
0: Thank you, Johnny, And uh, once again, I just want to say that I really appreciated your help and support over the last couple of years. These uh, 100 episodes that we've done have been fantastic and, uh, you know, uh, long may it continue.
1: I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and thanks to you, Kevin, it's here. So um, enjoy your week, and uh, thanks very much for being on the show again. Thank you. Kevin Snook is a leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, Five Steps to Align Your Manufacturing Business from the Front Line to the Bottom Line. And it is thanks to Kevin that we're able to talk to manufacturing leaders and entrepreneurs on Make It Right, as he is our sponsor. That's our show this week. Please check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds that are on our podcast page. Subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And remember, in this time of troubles, be kind to each other. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening to Make a Right.